Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, with me please, to the book of Luke, chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading with verse 36. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with us as we prepare to read God's Word. Thank you, guys. Worship team, didn't they do an awesome job this morning? <clears throat> Hallelujah. As I told you earlier, we've been on the subject of worship for the past several weeks. We worship because of his 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 worship I don't worship because I'm Pentecostal I don't worship because I'm Baptist I don't worship because I don't know who I am. I worship because of who he is. And so we've been on that. And so I want to I want to share this with you this morning. Just the simple title of worship and the difference between religious and broken worship. I'm amazed that across the United States of America along about this time there are thousands if not millions of people that have gathered together in a place of worship they have been led by some of the most talented men or women led by musicians orchestras worship leaders into a dynamic time of praise and a dynamic time of worship. I watch as mega churches with thousands of members gather together on Sundays or service times and they all raise their hands and they all praise, they all worship the Lord and praise and I hear the dynamic messages of pastors and teachers that are teaching all across this nation. Thousands and thousands of people right now are lifted up with their voices in worship. And I want to tell you this morning uh, what God is doing uh, through this series of messages. I am not talking against the worship. I'm not talking against the praise all of that is good, but I believe that God is saying in this time, he's saying to us, I want you to put worship in its proper perspective. Here's the thing, guys. 
thousands and thousands of people that are worshiping, thousands and thousands of churches that are gathered together today uh, and, and one accord, one mind, lifting up the name of Jesus. But here's my gripe, and here is my vice with that. With all those thousands of people doing that, yet the crime rate in the United States of America is skyrocketing. With all those people that are coming together to worship, but yet the suicidal rate in our nation is skyrocketing. With all those people coming together to worship, thousands and thousands of people in cities and towns across this nation, the, the crime rate is going up, up, up. Our children are more and more turning away from church and turning to drug addictions and perversions and all that. I'm just being honest with you, okay? And we're seeing that, that we're, we're having to build bigger and, and more uh, prisons and bigger prisons across our nation. How is it, and this is, I'm just being real, how is it that, that churches even this size can come together on a Sunday morning and talk about a God who loved us enough that he died for us on the cross. And how is it that a body of this size can come together and we can lift our hands when we sing, oh, how he loves us and how he cares for us, but yet some in our own families are falling apart, our children are falling apart, and our lives are in a mess, and, and our communities are in a mess. Listen, uh, what I'm trying to say, and I'm not trying to beat you down, but what I'm trying to say, could it be, Guys, that, that we are, are on the wrong track trying to find Jesus. Could it be that, that we need to understand that what God really wants is not the beat of a drum and not the sound of a guitar and not uh, the voice of another teacher and not the voice of another preacher, but what God really wants is somebody that will understand what true, authentic worship is. And listen, I love to sing and I love to worship and I love to hear the sound like we heard this morning that is awesome and it's beautiful and, and all of that. And all of that has its proper perspective. But listen, I'm coming to realize today that if I want the face of God turned toward my life, I've got to go deeper than the sound of a musical instrument and I've got to understand that I've got to get to true worship. Somebody say, Pastor, read your scripture so I can set down. Luke chapter 7, I heard you. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a Sinner, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And Simon said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. 
the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And Jesus said to him, You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See this woman, I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in have not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Your faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you today that you will do what you said in your word that you would do. So, Father, this morning help us to follow in that that has already been done. Lord, we don't ask you this morning for healing. We thank you that healing has already been done. We don't ask you this morning for salvation because we thank you that salvation has already been given. Let us receive it today by faith in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. A few weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, I used this scripture out of Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2 where, G, uh, where Isaiah prophesied and he said this but to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word this story that, that we've just read is one that is, is one of the few places in Scripture that we can see that somebody did something that caught the attention of Jesus in a way that he directly addressed what this woman had done. He directly addressed her actions. And one of the things that we've been talking about about worship is that worship is when I get on my face before God. When I realize where God has brought me from and the effect that God's had on my life and I prostrate, that's what the word worship really means is to prostrate yourself uh, before royalty. Much of, of the, the things that we define as worship in our culture today is, is nothing more than just religious activity. Because you see, religion is simply a form of worship. 
Religion is a form of godliness. But religion has no power in it. What changes an individual's life is the power of Jesus Christ working in their lives. And so in this story, there are two people that I want to deal with. And the first one is this Pharisee. Because this Pharisee and this, and this passage of Scripture represents the power of a religious relationship with God. This Pharisee, in order for him to have been called a Pharisee, had to go through hours and hours and hours of teaching and training about God. He had to recite much of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. So he knew the word verbatim. He knew how to quote the scriptures and all of that. He knew how to look good on the outside because if you were a Pharisee, you had a certain dress, you had a certain uh, wear of clothes that you had, and, and everybody knew that you were a Pharisee because you were considered one of the elite in the church or one of the elite in the house of God. And so everybody up until the time that Jesus came revered the Pharisees because they were, quote, the righteous ones, the holy ones. They were the ones that had the connection with God. They were the ones that if I uh, needed God in my life, I needed to follow what they were doing. But when Jesus came, Jesus looked at them and said, you are whited sepulchers that are full of dead men's bones. And so we see in this story this Pharisee that, that, that invited Jesus to his house uh, that he would eat with him, and Jesus went. And as they sat down to eat, the Bible tells the story of this woman that came in. I'm amazed at how much in Scripture that we see where those that the world would look at and, says, and say, there goes a godly person. There goes a, a man of God or a woman of God. There goes somebody that, that is, looks good on the outside. They've got to have a relationship with God. But I'm amazed at how many times in Scripture that we see where Jesus looks at people like that and says, you don't have what you need to have. But yet he would look at a woman that the world had discounted a woman that the world would look at and say, she's a sinner, she's of no value, she has nothing to add to society, there is nothing about God that can be seen for miles and miles around her, but yet Jesus would look at her and say, wow, she just did something that has blown my mind. You see, it lets me know today, ladies and gentlemen, that there's hope for me because I wasn't among the religious elite and I didn't know all the right things to say and I didn't know all the right words to say and I didn't know all the right motions to put around. But one thing that I did recognize is that I needed Jesus and Jesus saw that and he came and redeemed my life. But here's the thing. This Pharisee sat there, and I want you to picture this as this woman comes in. 
who the, the word says was a sinner. And she sat or stood at the feet of Jesus. They were reclining at the table. And it wasn't the, like the tables that we're used to sitting at where we pull up a chair and slide the chair under the table. Their tables were low, and so the people that, that sat around the table sat on pillows, and, and they would sit, and their feet would stick out behind them, and they would face the table. And this woman came in, and Jesus was sitting there, and she stood behind him. And as she stood behind him, the Bible says that, that she was weeping. And as she was weeping, she began to kiss the feet of Jesus. And she began to take this uh, box of ointment, this alabaster box. And she broke the seal on it. And she began to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And she began to take her hair and wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair and she began to kiss his feet now a lot of people would look at that and say I think that's a little bit much I think that that's a little bit extravagant I I, I think that maybe she kind of went overboard I think that that perhaps that's a little bit fanatical and crazy but how did Jesus look at it and how did the Pharisee look at it the Pharisee looked at it and said does does he not know who this woman is. All the Pharisee could see was her sin. You see, religion will always cause us to see the wrong thing. But relationship will cause us to recognize the right thing. Listen, the Bible says that this woman in this, uh, that came uh, was a sinner, but she broke this alabaster box. Uh, and began to anoint the feet of Jesus with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kiss his feet and anoint them with ointment. Listen, as I read this story, I thought about how this woman had to walk into that room under the condemnation and under the understanding that perhaps she would not be welcome there. She had to walk into that room with the understanding that everybody in that room perhaps knew how bad she was. They knew that she was a sinner, but yet she walked into that room uninvited. She didn't get an invitation. She walked into that room and began to worship this act, you might say, well, pastor, that's not really worship. Oh, yeah. Because, see, this one lady recognized something about Jesus that none of the religious folks sitting around that table had any concept of. This woman recognized that there was one who was sitting at that table who was real, who was authentic, and who loved her, and she recognized something about Jesus that nobody else could recognize. And the, the importance of that, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Because she, being a sinner, 
recognized him as a savior and it caused her to move past all of the things that people would think about her it caused her not to worry about what everybody would say about her it caused her not to worry about all the whispers that would be going on when she walked into the room and here's what the Lord began to deal with me about he said when people understand really who Jesus is it will cause them not not to be so concerned about the fact of what somebody did to them. It will cause them not to be under the cloud of a victim mentality and be loaded down and burdened down by, well, they did this to me and this is why I'm like I am. This happened in my life and this is the reason that I'm in the mess I'm in. They did this to me and this is why I'm so angry. If this had not happened to me years ago, then I wouldn't be the type person person I am and we live under this cloud of a victim mentality but listen to me what I'm saying to you today that listen when you live under the power of a victim mindset that says I'm a victim of what somebody else did I'm a victim of society I'm a victim of what they they did to me I'm a victim of what happened to me when you live under the mindset of that victim mentality you do nothing but in empower that that wounded you to determine the destiny of your life but what this woman recognized was I will no longer allow my victim mindset to determine the destiny of my life because I recognize there is one who is sitting at this table and I recognize this morning that it's not the appropriate time it is not my time on the program it is I haven't been invited I, nobody asked me to come today nobody in invited me. I didn't get an RSVP invitation but I recognize this one thing that he who is sitting at this table can break the yoke of bondage in my life. I will no longer allow the fact that somebody messed up in my life years ago to determine my destiny. I, I realize today that people have gone through some terrible things and you've dealt with some horrible things in your life. But can I tell you something this morning? Somewhere in your life, you have to put a period at the end of the sentence. Somewhere in your life, you have to stop it and say it's not going any further. It doesn't matter what your husband did or what your wife did or what your mama did or what your daddy didn't do. Listen somewhere you have to put a period at the end of the sentence and say I found one who is able to redeem me. I found one who is able to change my life and I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I have found him that will change my life. Listen, true worship, true worship is not about the music, and true worship is not about the crowds with their hands lifted up. True worship is not about coming to church on Sunday morning and joining in with a worship band as they sing. That's not true worship. True worship is when I bow down before him not because he gave me a new car, not because he, he fixed me a new house, not because he fixed my marriage, and not because he healed me of my disease, but I bow down before him simply because he is God, simply because he is Lord, simply because there is no other God beside him.
beside him. I bow down before him simply because that he died on the cross. He shed his blood and redeemed my life from destruction when nobody else could. That is the reason that I'm here this morning. You might have mistaken the fact that I came today because I wanted to preach, but before I got here this morning, I bowed before God because I love him and because he is my Savior and my Redeemer and it's not, listen, what you're seeing today is the result of something that God has done already. Listen, true worship, true worship, ladies and gentlemen, will break the rules of religion every time. And one of the things that's wrong with our culture today, one of the things that's putting pressure on pastors, one of the things that's putting pressure on teachers and churches to tweak their programs to accommodate the sin that walks through the door. One of the reasons today that we're seeing churches all across our nation that are tweaking their standards and they're tweaking what the Bible says in order to accommodate those that come in that don't want to change their lifestyle, they just want God to agree with their lifestyle. One of those reasons is that we've lost the understanding of really what true worship is. True worship is when I sit on my seat and nobody's singing, nobody's preaching, and I sat there, the Word of God causes me to tremble inside. Listen, true worship is when I'm riding down the road and nobody said anything to me and I don't have the radio on. I don't have a worship uh, uh, sound going and all of a sudden I begin to think about the goodness of God and tears begin to come down your face and, and, and you begin to tremble on the inside because he is God and you recognize that he did something for me that nobody else could. Can I go ahead and go a little bit deeper? Because, listen, I'm, I'm getting just one shot at this, but, but I want to tell you something this morning, ladies and gentlemen, and I want to tell you something, McCullough Christian Center. God's about to shift some things in your understanding of worship. God's about to shift some things in your understanding of what really God really wants out of your life. God could care less how many dollars you put in the bucket on Sunday morning. God could care less about what kind of car you drive. God could care less about what kind of clothes you you got on your back. All God cares about is when you come into this house that you understand that he is God and there is no other God beside him and I don't need you to strike up the band to get me in the presence of God. I don't need a preacher to get me in the presence of God because when I walk in here on Sunday morning, I recognize that I am in the presence of God. Listen, this Pharisee sat there and and in his heart, he judged this woman. He judged her because of her past. But Jesus recognized it. And, and listen, I think the most important part of this passage of Scripture, sure, it's important that she came in and, and broke the seal on this alabaster box and poured it out. And, and other passages in uh, Matthew, this is one of the few stories that is mentioned in all four Gospels of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all mention this story. And there's some differences there, and we don't have time to go into that. But yes, it's important that she came in 
and, and broke the seal on this alabaster box and began to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And, and this act of worship, Jesus said uh, in one passage that this act of worship would be a memorial, that she would be remembered, that wherever that story was told, she would be remembered. Isn't it amazing that what she, she never, listen, she never went into that place that day with the idea that 2,000 plus years later, somebody in McCullough, Alabama, or in Atmore, Alabama, would be talking about what I did. Can I tell you something this morning? Your worship, your worship will have an impact that you will very seldom see. But it wasn't the fact necessarily that she poured this ointment out. It wasn't the fact that the odor of this ointment filled the house and everybody knew that it had been broken. But here's the thing about it, and here's where true worship is birthed, ladies and gentlemen. It's in the part where Jesus looked at, at uh, this Pharisee after he was thinking in his mind. Surely he don't know who this woman is. Surely he don't recognize that she's the woman that stands on the corner all the time. Surely, surely if he knew that this woman was a sinner, he wouldn't be allowing her to, to touch him. And Jesus read his mail. Jesus looked at him and said, I know what you're thinking, dude. Jesus could have called him dude. You don't know that. You don't know he didn't. He could have looked at him and said, dude, you don't know what you're thinking. You don't. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. In verse 41 in this story, Jesus said, look, look, man, you don't know what you're thinking. You don't, you don't see that your religious form is blinding you to really why I'm here. You don't see that your religious ideas and your religious activities are blinding you from the very reason that I came to this earth. If you notice, there was I can count them on, on three fingers in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Pharisees, or Sadducees ever broke into a true relationship with God because Nicodemus is one of the few that broke into a true understanding of who Jesus was. The rest of them never did get the idea and they never did see it. Why? Because they had a religious form that was absent of relationship. But here's the thing. Jesus looked at him and said, listen, there was a certain creditor that had two debtors and the one owed 500 pence and the other 50 and when they had nothing to pay he frankly forgave them both think about this Jesus said this guy this, this creditor had these two people that owed him money one of them owed this extravagant sum of money. The other one didn't owe near as much. And he said when they looked and, and they had nothing to pay. In other words, they owed a debt 
that they could not pay. But Jesus paid a debt that, I, that he didn't owe. And he said when they had nothing to pay that frankly he forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom you forgave most. And he said, you have rightly judged. Now catch this and I'm fixing to close. If I were to come this morning and I'm the one that you owe the money to, I'm the one that you owe a debt to, back then, during that time, you can get phone calls saying you're late on your payment. You didn't get nobody calling you up. You didn't get no letter in the mail. Then you're three days late on your your payment and all that. Back then, when you owed a debt, when your, when your door got busted down and they drug your children out of the house and sold them into slavery to pay what you owe, that's how it worked. The fact is that there were two people there that owed a debt that neither one of them could pay. One of them owed much money and the other one owed little, but they couldn't pay it. And it's a picture of us as sinners. Some of y'all were big sinners. Some of us were little sinners. Some of us were big sinners and some of y'all were little sinners. Some of y'all were heathens, all right? Some of y'all were just downright dirty. If you had gotten caught doing what you were doing, you would be down the road over yonder. Come on, I'm just telling you the truth. I, I, I get to thinking about it sometimes. I said, Lord Jesus, thank you. I never did got, get caught doing that. Oh, Jesus, thank you that we didn't have what they've got now when I was coming up because if we would have had what they've got now when I was coming up, I wouldn't be here now. I'd be somewhere else. I would be messed up. But here's the thing. doesn't matter whether one owed 500 or one owed less. They were both in debt with a debt that they could not pay. Now remember, Jesus is not talking to the woman. He's talking to the Pharisee. And then he asked him this question after the debt had been forgiven. It's like Brother Jack owed millions and millions of dollars. Brother Jack said, that ain't no problem. You've got to go higher than that. <laughs> Brother Jack owed millions and millions of dollars. Brother Robert owed half a million and you lay in bed at night worrying because you know that me as your debtor is coming you know I'm coming and every time you hear the hoofbeats of a horse coming down the street your heart begins to pound because you know that the debtor's coming to collect 
and I don't have anything to give him. But then all of a sudden, the debtor comes. Says, Brother Jack, you know all the millions that you owe me? Don't worry about it. And he would shake my hand. And he would say, thank you, Jesus. And I'd go to Brother Robert, and I said, Brother Robert, you know you owe me a half a million dollars. I said, don't worry about it. here's the thing guys here's the thing every one of us in here we were like that we were like that every one of us in here there's not a there's not a man or woman in this room today that you could do anything with your sin there's not a man or woman in this room today that you could do anything to redeem your life from destruction because we were all sinners. And so Jesus looks at this Pharisee and he tells this story and then he, he asks this question, who is going to love the most? Is it going to be Brother Jack because he had millions in debt or is it going to be Brother Robert because he only had a half a million? The Pharisee said it's going to be Brother Jack because he had the biggest debt that he couldn't pay. And so in that picture, what Jesus was saying was this. This sinner woman comes into your house and begins to worship me. that was loaded down with sin, a debt that she could not pay. And Jesus said, through her worship, the debt has been canceled. Through her worship, that that she could not pay has been paid in full. One of the most awesome things about this story is that it messes up our religious thinking. It messes up my religious way of figuring things because here is a sinner that comes to worship that's not even saved. Here's a woman that just walks in off the streets and begins to apply some oil to Jesus' feet and through that act of worship, Jesus looks at her and says, Woman, your sins are forgiven. That messes up our religious thinking because she wasn't even a member of the church. She, didn't, she wasn't a card toter. The awesome thing about God is that God finds people like that where we started this series with a woman at the well that, that was looked down on in, by society that nobody counted her as being of any value but yet Jesus would go out of his way into a city that he uh, as a Jew was not even supposed to be in and sit down by a well and wait on a woman of the night 
just to let her know that he loved her. So, so here's the thing. What this story tells me is that true worship comes out of a heart that recognizes and realizes I had a debt that I could not pay. And Jesus came and took care of that debt and changed my life. Now here's what Jesus said, and, and I'm going to close. Jesus turned to this woman, and he looked to the woman, and he said to Simon, he said, Simon, you see this woman. I'm going to get down, down here where y'all are. Is that all right? Again. He said, Simon, you see this woman. And, and he turned around and looks at this woman behind him. And listen to what he says. He said, when I came into your house, this is worship, guys. This is worship. He said, when I came into your house, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. That was a custom. That was, that was an honorary custom then that when somebody came to your house as a guest, you would give them water to wash their feet because they had been walking through dusty streets with sandals on. Jesus said, Simon, when I came to your house, you didn't even give me any water to wash my feet. Notice this. He said, but she has washed my feet with tears. You see the difference there between religious worship and true worship. He said, she's washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. He said, Simon, you didn't even greet me or you gave me no kiss. One, another custom of that day is when a guest came to your house, you greeted them with a kiss. Simon didn't even greet Jesus with a kiss. But he said, this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. True worship. He said, my head with oil you didn't anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Another custom. When guests came to your house, was you anointed them with an oil of fragrance. And that fragrance would fill the house when they were in your house. It was customary. But Jesus said, Simon, you didn't anoint my head with oil. But this sinner woman not only anointed my feet, but she has wiped my feet with the hair of her head. Listen, he said, wherefore I say unto you, Simon, he's talking to Simon, he says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Think about that. Think about that. This is, this is true worship, guys. Would you stand with me, please? And I want to ask you this question. Jordan, if you will, if you guys come and just play.
I want to ask you this question this morning. What impact does your worship have on your family? What impact does your worship have on your life? You see, it's one thing for me to say, yes, I'm a Christian. It's one thing for me to say, yes, I go to church on a, on a regular basis. It's one thing for me to say, yes, I belong to this church or I'm a member of that church. And I go through all the rituals and all those things, but is, is that that you're doing, is it changing your life? Is it changing your family? Is when you hear the word of God, does it cause you to tremble on the inside? You see, I think what God is saying is I want, I want to get your attention and I want you to recognize this morning that there's a religious way of doing things that is a form with no power. And then there's a way of doing things when it comes to Jesus that is life-changing, that will alter your life. And the picture that we have is, is one person who was in church all the time and was around religious activity all the time but still didn't have relationship with God. Still wasn't able to recognize that, that the one that sat at the table was the very Son of God. But then on the other side of that, we have a woman that walks in uninvited that was perhaps a woman of the night that had a long past and all of that, but yet she walks in and what she does turns the head of Jesus. And Jesus looks and says, Wow, I'm amazed. I'm blown away at your worship. I'm blown away at how you worship me. It's not the big and it's not uh, the wealthy and it's not those, those that are on the top of the social status that gets God's attention. It is those that will worship Him with abandonment. That I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people say about me. I am just going to worship Him. So I want it this morning. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a sinner. A sinner, I've been around church and, and, and I know all the right things to do, but I realize that I'm not a born-again Christian. And I want my life right with God. If that's you this morning, as they sing, I want to just invite you to, the, to this altar this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I've been caught up in this religious activity. I've been in this mode of religious activity, but I recognize that my religious activity has not done anything to change my life. I want to change that today. I want to change that today. As they sing this morning, I want to open this altar up. I'm going to ask you today, you want to be a true worshiper, I'm going to ask you this morning to make your way down here because I believe God wants to work in your life.